What is going on, everyone? Ruckman here with an episode of Crew 3 Podcast. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. What's up? And if you guys thought we had a very special guest last week helping me prove how to pronounce Erodo Ricky, uh, we have an even more special guest this week uh, with one Emma Handy. Emma, thank you so much for joining us. Howdy. For those that don't know, uh, you know, I'm sure all of our listeners would most hopefully would know you. Uh, sort of what are, what are your bona fides here, you know, besides keeping it down on the, the SCG tours, all that kind of stuff, you know, what, what are, what's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot these days, you know, uh, with the way the world has been lately, a lot of stuff yeah. kind of got thrown off, but if I just yeah. had to, uh, kind of shoot down the old, uh, resume really quick, mm-hmm. I, uh, I help produce videos for Tellurian Community College over on YouTube. I stream, I've been getting more into that lately. I cast for the SCG tour and write for them, as you mentioned a moment ago, and I am a member of the Rivals League and play in all of those professional level events. Well, wonderful. And again, we are so happy to have you here. Happy um, to be here. Yeah, so we're going to have some questions for you. Before we get into that, let's take it over quickly to our 14-day, 7-day meta check here. We're going to really focus on the 7-day because things kind of shifted at least a little bit after the band announcement. Uh, so real quick in our 14-day, uh, we're again going by our MTG Goldfish rankings here. Uh, in the bottom 12, we have Rakdos Pyromancer. Naya Winota, Mono Black Vampires, Esper Control, Niv Delight, Mono Red Aggro, Luris Burn, Azorius Spirits, Mono White Devotion, our top three being Lotus Breach, Mono Black Aggro, Demir Inverter, and then if we kick it over to the seven day, barely a pretty big shakeup we're going to get to when we hit the top. Uh, sort of newcomer thanks to Othinus at the bottom we have with a return of Kethis combo. Uh, Jasper Yorian, Niv Delight, Rakdos Pyromancer. In our top five, we have Naya Winota, Monored Agro, Zorius Spirits, Luris Burn, Lotus Breach. Showing a little bit of a change here, playing some Luris of the Dream Den, Mono White Devotion, number two, Demir Inverter, Whoa. and moving up to number one, Mono Black Agro. What do you guys think of some of the shakeups here? Obviously, big change, uh, and really another new kid on the block in kept this combo we're showing Naya, we're showing Naya Winota being able to hang around uh you know some changes in some decks we're used to with spirits almost dropping collected company going to Azorius we've got Lotus Breach now just playing Lurus because why not yeah and then of course that big shakeup in the top two slots where do you where do you what does everyone think about that Crux uh is the is the main feature of the um uh the red black deck you're talking about right it's yeah, got the Rakdos Pyromancer. Uh, it's got Young Heezy in it, but it's like a, a Croxa recursion deck. The one we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's ago. that's that deck that we really we thought was going to be a sh- a shell for Archfiend's Vessel, right? Right. But in playing it, it's just more of a we're going to deny Inverter resources by buying back Croxa a bunch. Yeah, I was making sure because like, so that's the deck we highlighted a couple weeks ago as like, oh, this mm-hmm. is kind of nifty, right? Like this is like kind of yeah. a value, um, low to the ground type deck, and I'm excited to see that it's it's making waves. Mm-hmm, definitely. So I'm really excited to see this. Oh, no, you're good. I I really like this Kethis deck kind of popping up. It's something that fell off whenever Oko got banned. It's something I personally have a lot of experience with. I played it at the invita- the SCG Invitational back in December. Mm-hmm. really like that deck uh, with Oko and Once Upon a Time leaving. It kind of fell off because you needed the selection. You couldn't quite stall against the Mono Black deck anymore, but... With Oath of Nyssa coming back, that did a lot to smooth out your mana and give you that little bit of selection at the same time. So I'm not that surprised to see it coming back. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think yeah, one of its weaker a... matchups is like is mono black? Like, should it be afraid that mono black's at the top? Or I think that one's a little bit hard, just because they're so good at picking apart synergies. The nice thing is now you have your own recursive elements. I mean, outside of the namesake, obviously, you sure. also get to play things like Loris of the Dream Den, which can buy back things like Mox Amber, like Hope of Jeriper, even Oath of Nissa to kind of keep the cards flowing whenever normally you'd kind of be at the mercy of Thoughtseize. Does Oath of Nissa turn on uh opal or sorry uh amber it doesn't no uh no no like uh oath amber oath plays oh no not quite it does count as a legend for kethis though yeah that's a big one the fact that it is basically a ponder for the deck that fuels the namesake combo piece is a really big deal yeah definitely i mean i think Kethis is going to be definitely one of those decks to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, and just as well, sort of like they talked about with what uh, Oath of Nyssa could bring, we also do see a mono green deck in the league from, what is this, the two twenty, the 720 league, also playing Oath of Nyssa and that bringing back the Nykthos strategy, which is sort of what they talked about they're right. hoping would come back alongside the Oath of Nyssa unbanning. Well, check this out. Bit. It came in ninth in the challenge as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right, right above Oath of Nissa, or right above the Kethis combo deck. So, and of course, this is that uh, style of deck playing the four Karn Great Creator that we sort of saw the last iteration of the deck before mm, it really mm-hmm. went by the wayside. So it's got the Karn for the the massive fifteen card wishboard, right? Uh, did mm-hmm. it pick up any of the cards Ricky was talking about? Ricky would kind of have talked about like some Kethis cards um, in did, and I don't I think just, we sent those to the professor. Um, I just actually we did. I do always just every set just be like, "Ooh, this could be cool in Kethis." Just a million That's times. True. That's I, true. I really like. Is that, is that your way of standard. backing out on your call? Is that what you're telling me? Is this is this you uh, backing down a little bit I, on your? I still think Niambi was a good card in a vacuum. Right. I don't think it's it's. I mean, it's Othanis is definitely better than Niambi. Sure. For card Maybe selection, that's, that's our argument. We yeah, it would have been uh, there. That's my easy back out of be. that, right? This is one of those thanks Watsy moments, right? Uh, speaking of cards that I misjudged. Uh, yeah. I like the Naya Winota deck a lot. Oh, yeah, uh, no. This, I, I think the Naya Winota deck's sweet. Yeah, I've I don't think we rated Winota very with highly Winota. And, uh, like, the... In my opinion, I think that the gameplay with Naya Winota is more fun than it was in Standard, and definitely more fun <laughs> than it was in Historic. When um, they're not slamming Agent of Treachery? When they're not playing Agent of Treachery, also when they're not, like, just uncontested, when Goose is not just uncontested in the format. Like when like turn mm, one sure. goose can be just answered with a push and like uh, things like that. I, I do think that this deck looks fun. It looks to be good uh, when the meta shakes up. I do think that it gets beaten a lot by uh, or it gets hurt a lot by mono black. But these decks are really really resilient. So I almost like never count this deck out. It has a lot of like really good just draws off the top. It's too sweet. Looks really nice in a lot of spaces. It has tithe taker and voice resurgence, which. You know, I, I like ragging on Voice of Resurgence as much as the next self-respecting Magic player, but <laughs> it is a thing that produces or leaves behind another non-human body to kind of enable Winota, and that's the sweet spot that a lot of these decks have to find themselves in when Fatal Push is that premier removal spell of Pioneer. Yeah, mm-hmm. we uh, we have several people on our Discord. This is one of the decks that they want to talk about a lot, and they do ask the question of, you know, as they're trying to build into the deck, right, is there an alternative to Voice of Resurgence? It's just unfortunately not really because the ability to have that second body behind i know sort of some of the ideas i threw around was like a goblin instigator a card that just has a second body 
automatically with it. But yeah, the, the power of just having that body left behind when you invoke evolution or if your opponent casts anything on your turn is just insurmountable in a lot of cases. It just plays so well with Legion Warboss as well against mm. those Fatal Push decks where, mm. let's even say you brick on your one drop, right? You, you kind of got shaky mana on your shard decks. You play your tap land, you play your voice, it gets pushed on their turn because of voice's clause on, you know, the don't cast this on your opponent's turn or you lose the game thing. Right. Then they cast a Legion War Boss and crush in for four damage despite the other player having that crucial fatal push on two. Mm -hmm. Right. You went from uh, a one unit army right there basically by just pumping it up. Very true. I remember the the horror days of seeing that in standard and how, how strong it was. And it's been a kind of surprised that it hasn't made as much of a an impact, but I feel like that's probably because you need to really be able to take advantage of that second body. If if you don't, it's kind of like, well, again, it dies to the premier removal spell in the format, as you were saying, so uh, makes sense. I so love mom and dad real... in this deck, yeah. too. But So those are definitely like the real like new pushes in the format. What do you think of like the changes in, again, Spirits dropping Collected Company, moving into just sort of straight Azorius, and Lotus Breach, I guess, now just finally deciding they can play Lurus? I think the Spirits deck in particular, it mostly speaks to that deck being a tempo deck rather than something mm -hmm. that wants to invest something into something grindy like a collected company. A lot of the exchanges you're trying to have are favorable mana exchanges rather than on raw number of cards. And if your goal is to kill people while they're off the battlefield and maybe even still have cards in their hand, the draws where you draw two, three collected companies early and then have to skip, say, your two drop on your curve or your three drop on your curve mm -hmm. are enough of a death sentence that the trade-off just isn't really there. And I think that's a lot of the shift we're seeing. Yeah, I definitely. I, I Spirits is sort of my deck du jour heading into the pre-COVID sort of lockdown and lap, lap loss of really paper events. And initially, when people were looking at the Spirits being added with M21, people really wanted important to Shacklegeist. But I really think the Lofty Denial pickup and Watcher of Spheres is almost more impactful than the Shacklegeist here. Yeah, Lofty Denial is a hot one. That card's so yeah, it's real strong. good. What would you do for a mana leak? That's the question, you know? They got it. A better mana leak. I already play leak. my spirits. Yeah, I was going to say, when you were talking about the spirits, I was like, man, this is touching Ruckman's soul right here because uh, he loves some spirits, and he's really been frustrated at, at the exact points you were talking about where I'd watch him play a little on stream, and it would be like, well, I've got these collect companies sitting here, and when they're good, they're great, but sometimes you're just waiting to hit that four, and if you don't hit that four... To yeah. play your collector companies, you're a sad painter. Yeah, the, the, the collector company being the only real deck manipulation you had on a 22-23 land deck, depending on your build, without any sort of mana accelerant into the collected company, right? You, I, So many hands I would keep of just collected company, two drop, two drop, spell queller, and just never hit the third land, never hit even never hit the fourth, never even hit the third land a lot of the time. And it just really felt bad. And so that was one of my arguments when people wanted to talk and complain about the deck. I'm just like, well, half of my games, I just sit here and don't do anything turn three onward. I mean, there's also a point where the card just makes your sideboarding a little bit worse too, right? Because you're mm -hmm. put into this position where you're priced into having a minimum of what? 27 i think 27 was the must be this tall to ride sort of litmus test of those collected company decks with his a yeah. lot of them going as high as 32 yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to think of my numbers pre-heading into this and yeah that was about there pretty much everything i any creature i could board into that wasn't the one of uh flip avison 
was something I could Coco into. And most of those cards were either your deputy detentions or your permeating masses. And permeating mass wasn't a good one to really uh, Coco into. Right. You were you were definitely digging. You were getting creative with that sideboard plan, you know? Yeah, you, you certainly did. weren't celebrating having those options over your devout decrees or your surge of righteousness or whatever. Mm-hmm. You missed those uh, modern days of four cocoa, four aether vial, thirty-two ham sandwich. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Any whoa! Creatures there were four that have noble hierarchs in there. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. Just any thirty-two creatures with any sort of synergy, aether vial, collected company, go. Wow, that's really weird that the ham is made with human. Yeah, ham stands for human. Listen, uh, Innistrad's a horror plane. Just not all of it makes onto cards. The okay, uh, any modern day equivalent of a, of a Wendy's. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the Luris right, pickup. Any, any, any meta thoughts? The Luris pickup just makes so much sense. You literally only drop the Vizier, and, like, the Vizier doesn't help you go off. It just extends you a little bit, like, if you're shaky about going off. I guess you could play it. Do people cast Vizier? Yeah, they could cast Vizier. I just feel like you get, like, a little bit more oomph with like, being more, able to play More often not Vizier. More often than not, Vizier was cycled as, like like you said, to sort of a jump you in the right situation. Uh, but yeah, Lurish just feels like the natural progression, right? That should have happened a while ago. Well, your underworld breaches with him. I think the big thing about Lurish is that it actually provides a more robust anti-aggro plan. Vizier mm-hmm. is a fine card, but how many of your games that you're going through the combo, going through all those emotions... Ha- with Underworld Breach kind of giving you this right. I win deterministic <laughs> loop, I don't think you need right. these cards that get you across the finish line, and that's their primary purpose. Looking mm-hmm. at the sideboard of some of these Luris decks, you see a bunch of Ratchet Bonds. That's yeah. just an entire anti-aggro plan whenever we see this surge in mono black aggro that has just taken... it. it it's really pushed out in front of Inverter lately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, I feel like... Have they... I forget. Have they... Have, looks like, Do they drop the blast zone count? Because I feel like they're on two to three in some cases. This list that's just sort of the, the generalization of these current changes just have the one. Is that sort of that concession of now we're playing more ratchet bombs in the sideboard then? I imagine yeah. so. This just feels like it's probably just like a Sylvan scrying bullet rather than mm-hmm. a, a an actual dedicated plan. Whereas this ratchet bomb with Luris in particular is something where it's just a repeatable wrath effect in a deck that very frequently just has so much mana. Sure. And not it makes room for points. that Ipnu Rivlet. Right. So we can win the Demir match. <laughs> oh yeah. Gotta have that tech in there. Oh yeah. All right. Any, anything else before we move into our sort of interview portion here? Uh, no, I mean ready. it's it's still the it's still the same metagame we've we've seen. We've shuffled who's at the top a little bit, but it's still the decks that beat Inverter and, and Breach and the Inverter and Breach decks. I, yeah. It feels like it's been a little while since we've had Inverter out of the top spot, though. That's true. That's yeah, it's true. definitely interesting. Part of, part of me wonders if any of it's due to the lack of playing of Pioneer, or if this is really showing that there's some life here. You know? Hey, well, at least we got one challenge to fire this weekend. Hey, like, we there picked we go. up Demonic Embrace. And like that's not the enchantment, right? The three mana enchantment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think demonic embrace is great. It actually just gives you a lot more reach out of these decks. Whereas before, you know, you're bringing back all these things like blood soak champion. But if your opponent has something like a Kali toss, you're just kind of cold to it. So mm-hmm. having it just gives your deck so much more reach than it would have otherwise. Now you can just go end of your turn, scrap heap scrounger, untap, ditch a card, six you. 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah, something I've like, seen as a one of. Should it is is that something you could see creeping up to a two or a three, or is that is that sticking at one? You think? I mean, some of them in the leagues have as many as three. It's a great way to also just punch through an actual inverter whenever they go on the fair plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people. That's a six six flyer, and a lot of people forget that. <laughs> oh, you get it. You get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, definitely. I like I was trying to say sort of before we started recording. Uh, if you're looking at a deck for a deck that you can just buy into and just put in a box and forget it for whenever Pioneer starts happening again, or if you're just sort of, you know, occasionally make it out to a paper event, Mono Black is going to be one of those decks you can invest in. And, you know, outside of, I think, almost the unthinkable of banning Thoughtseize, I think it's a deck you'll be happy with buying into. Yeah, I don't I think, think there's a better a investment than Thoughtseize ever. Did they just get reprinted? Or am I dumb? Is it confirmed I for Double Masters yet? I don't think it's been yet? announced yet, but it's it's rumored for Double Masters. Ooh. You pay two life, and so that's the double, right? Oh, it's got <laughs> the number two in there. Everything has to have two or double on it. That's that's the whole point. Okay, mm, okay gotcha. It just says Thoughtseize and Him to Torok are the two cards that come together. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. I can oh, have no. Him and Historic, please. <laughs> oh, no. that'll be called him historic from then on i've already been hoofed so like so much in historic i'm so tired of hoof already you also have been quadruple nine lived so your story of historic has not been that great <laughs> yeah Rip so many lives. all right so emma we since you've decided to join us this week i decided to sort of write a few questions for you um starting as simply you know you mentioned that you're a commentator on the scg tour uh, what has sort of the transition for you from paper to digital been like? Uh, I think the biggest thing is that there's less of this point in casting that is, I, I want to politely say it's affectionately referred to as, but I don't think it's affectionate. It's just garbage time sure. where there's way less time where you're kind of just obligated to fill and try and keep people invested in something where the game's obviously over and players are kind of fidgeting with things and trying to figure out how to actually close the door where you have all the information, the viewer has all the information, the game's just over. And then also other things that kind of fall under this umbrella when there isn't anything to actually digest, any magic happening, etc., is when you have people just shuffling for effects, most notably fetch mm. lands and the like, where... If you're covering something in modern, for example, you can't shortcut the fetches if someone goes, all right, Scalding Tarn, Steam Vent, Serum Visions on one. And the other Mm -hmm. person goes, well, I don't want to go ahead and start my turn because that can inform their scry. I don't want to let them shortcut this. So we have to sit there and then, while they search up the Steam Vents and shock and change the life totals and then get the Serum Visions out of their hand and shuffle and the opponent cuts and then they draw and then they scry two and they tank about the two and then pass. All of that adds up to like 90 seconds to two minutes where really there are two game actions occurring and you and the other commentator have to both make interesting conversation while also being able to cut that off as soon as the other player starts going again. And not having to do that has been kind of a blessing and a curse where on one hand we're not priced into those sorts of situations as much but on the other hand arena is so fast there are times where i i work with dominic harvey he's my new casting partner he's wonderful we've done a lot of off the clock work together to get to where we are now and still we'll end up in spots where we'll kind of go into this bit that's just 
each of us saying a couple sentences and move on. And somehow three turns have passed and mm. Dom as the play-by-play person goes and wilderness reclamation comes down, gets hit by an Elspeth <laughs> conquers death, but then Uro comes back and then gets tapped by a brazen borrower. So now and it's, it's a lot of ketchup. Yeah. I was going to say with, with arena being able just to process sort of the back end so quickly, are there, are there turns where you're just, you know, 50 things have happened in the span of 30 seconds and you're just left there, not even 30, even like five seconds. You're just sort of left there just, trying to go through the the process of what exactly happened at that time. A lot of times whenever a lot, so many things happen at once like that, you're really late into the game and it's a big swing. So that's kind of when you can go into, we'll say shout casting mode where you sure. can just go and they find the fabled passage which gets the forest and it brings back the Uro, which finds a wilderness reclamation. This is an incredible swing. And, you know, Oh man, I could feel the energy. That was great. Yeah, it's like the whole that that's the whole thing. No one is ever going like no one gets that excited over. Sure. And venerated knight on turn one is gonna. <laughs> sure, sure. You need you need the glass shatter by God that Stone Cold's music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For from the wrestling man. One thing I really uh, when we had a, a Discord tournament that me and Ruckman were casting, uh, I used Cedric Phillips's inspiration because mm-hmm. uh, he has the best. Like, or he was the first that I heard that I was aware of when casting magic cards would like narrate the draw step. Because, like you said, there was so much dead time. A lot of people were like talking about what they had for breakfast during shuffles because it couldn't be like a real good conversation. Because, like you said, it had to be under 90 seconds, but it had to be more than a few sentences. So it was kind of that weird time. So, like him going, okay, untap, upcreep, and he's going to take a. I didn't say that, but he was like, oh, you're going to take a draw. And like he just had a really good way of smoothing that out that I was like, wow, I can tell that's a lot more work than it seems like just to the the average listener like myself yeah this is i can't I, even I, comment I on myself uh trying to stream just the dead air <laughs> sometimes it's like three of us in a room all commentating on like a piece of art being drawn and then just all three of us just stare at each other and just go silent for 10 seconds and i'm just like i can't imagine like having to react to something that i don't know is going to happen and trying to fill all that time that's one of the biggest draws to just having ambient music or something like that while streaming. You can also hear it on the SCG tour broadcast. Now that we're doing these online events, you, we end up having the sort of ambient uh, royalty free esports music, so to speak. The stream music is rough. Like twice I've used my own, like we, we bought into an archive of like, just uh, like background music. We've put mm-hmm. that on our stream twice and been struck for it. Like twice. And it's just Jesus. like, it's just like, but we, we, we pay you a subscription <laughs> right over here, but mm-hmm. may not be the uh, broadcasting that's rights. A, that's a whole different thing. <sighs> yeah. So, so moving on, um, obviously, you know, the, the transition from, from paper to digital is going to have a real big sort of lasting impact. I don't, you know, in a lot of ways, there's gonna be some lasting impacts we're not aware of. Uh, but do you think, you know, this transition into digital, predominance for the game is do you think there's gonna be any sort of adverse what do you think is going to be the real lasting impact uh at least you know for until september plus of no real paper at least in america you know i i even september i think is a generous thing yeah Um, i i'm i'm expecting like mid next year to be honest at least for like a large scale size thing yeah and see this is the kind of stuff where i try to keep my the fact that I work for SCG is so separate from you know, sure. the me that's doing this interview because I'm afraid anything I say here. Oh no, definitely. Taken. And I, 
I know y'all aren't the kind of people like we we've talked enough for me to be under the impression that y'all don't think I'm the speaker of Star City or anything, but I want to be very clear for anybody who's listening that anything I say here is not I like I don't even have ears in those conversations for the most part. I might have a little bit of input in an email here and there, but for I for the most part, I don't actually make the business decisions. I just come and talk in front of some people every few weeks and hope that's enough to keep me getting paid. Um but I, I would be shocked if we actually had any events before, honestly, about this time next year. And that mm-hmm. is that is the most optimistic area. No, I, if you look at like the concert scene and event planners and stuff like that, you see venues kind of freaking out and going, well, I don't actually know how we're going to have any sort of festivals or anything like that before September 2020 or 2021. Yeah, I- I live like three blocks from a minor league baseball field that isn't affiliated with the MLB and they've got games going on right now. And I just uh, have uh. no idea how with fans like, uh, or yeah, no, they, no. they're like, they, yes, it's limited to like however many people. And you know what? Uh, yeah, there might be a reason why Texas has the issues it has right now. Yeah, <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. I did like That's fanless crazy. wrestling. Fanless wrestling was amazing. Oh, it's that was amazing. That was some real late stage capitalism dystopian level <laughs> stuff. It felt like an episode. I was watching Black Mirror. Like y'all seen that? Uh, it's like sixty thousand merits episode or what have yes. you. Yes. Yeah. 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 It just felt episode. like I was watching that. I mean, it's a really good one for sure. I really like it. It just felt very similar. Where it's just like, all right, so they're just performing in front of the judges. Yeah. I think what was it? Uh, somebody quote unquote the announcer quote says, "Oh, where did she come from? She must have snuck oh, through that the was, crowd." That was that was the first live event. That was one of the first live events for for SmackDown because AEW had the wrestlers in the like a small number of wrestlers still in the crowd, but at this point WWE was entirely empty. And so Oscar does a jump in, and this is when Triple H is on commentary. So God bless Triple H. Uh, he just goes, where did she come from? She snuck in through the crowd. I have no idea where she was before this. And it's, it's a total mystery. It's whole, yeah. Just I triple H playing it up on commentary that whole time. Yeah. You know, AEW, I think was a great way of doing the, the sort of fanless wrestling and then WD sort of caught on and it's still in a weird spot with them where they have all their developmental talents sort of just standing around spaced out, you know, they've got their markers and you can't really go past the marks. Uh, but yeah, that's a whole other conversation for a different type of I podcast. gotta say, because you brought it up, I gotta bring it up. I was visiting Devin at the hospital not but like two nights ago, right? And uh, we was flipping through the TV in the residence lounge and mm-hmm. wrestling was on. I was like, I have not watched wrestling in, I don't know A-W- Was it AEW or WWE? It was SmackDown. Okay, sure. And it was actually surprisingly good because they just put the wrestlers in the, in a, like a, in like a plexiglass casing around yeah. to surround the situation and their job is to make as much noise and do the booze and do the things that the crowd would do and also mm. smack them a quick plexiglass to make noise and uh you could tell they were trying i mean the, it's now like you're on 24 7 if you're a wrestler you gotta be part of the crowd you gotta be doing your thing in the ring it was uh it was it was entertaining uh, they, they they have to be more part of the crowd than you realize because that is a mandated thing they have to be there so right, anyway right, yeah. uh so obviously the big piece of recent news uh, was the the banner restricted announcement from last week? Uh, there was obviously some anticipation for the pioneer community of things that would happen, and then we only saw Othamissa really come off. Um, you know, we're a week later. You know, what was how do you initially take that announcement versus sort of where we are now? Have your opinions really changed? 
it's a little bit complicated where, you know, basically I think that players in general want to know what kind of format they're engaging with. So Watsy's in this sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't mm-hmm. scenario where banning just inverter I don't think actually solves all the problems people have with the format because then it's just Lotus Breach or just well, we, Devotion or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think on the other hand, you have a bunch of people who are quite upset with this inverter shell and the sort of vice hole or stranglehold it's had on the format for five months, almost six months now. Yeah, six, five if you want to take off the month that Companion was around. Yeah, exactly. I just think that, like, it like it really sucks that, like, literally halfway through their big paper pushout, and Wizards did have a really good big paper pushout for Pioneer. I think it really just got stomped on by, you know, the whole COVID thing, which is it unfortunate. And I think it really just sort of dampened moods, or not even moods, but just, like, dampened every plan for Pioneer for, like, almost everyone, it seems. Like, I, I feel like they weren't really thinking about the band and restricted update. Cause like you got MTGO, but literally nowhere else you can play pioneer right now. Cause you, it's not safe to go out and play in person and mainly a paper format. I think the point I really want to go back to sort of with is that we talked about last week in that, you know, I don't know how you manage expectations, but I feel like it was pretty easy for them to sort of see the writing on the wall of just everyone, you know, hoping and praying and just writing about our, our post inverter ban world and then the announcement comes out and that's not the case. Yeah. I think we had built up like, especially us, like we were kind of building up a lot of hype around this announcement. And even when we were having initial conversations, we were kind of like, well, let's wait and see what the ban list was, you know, or it is going to be uh, at that time. So I, I feel like our kind of point was like, well, you know, you know, people have had comments about this um, speaking as far as Watsi's concerned it almost feels like they should have tipped their hand a little bit and maybe say like, Hey, this is going to be an unbanning because again, I feel like there started to be talk of like the format, maybe potentially not existing or not getting the support that it's, that it, it deserves. And um, I think now there's a little bit different of a conversation with the announcement of the pioneer masters. But I mean, there was many, many Reddit posts calling pioneer just dead, just not going to happen anymore, whatever. So we were, we were kind of speculating that there probably should have been a better, uh, managing of expectations as far as what was going to happen because there was so much hype around this format going to be fixed. Um, speaking of them taking out inverter in, in breach, maybe. I always feel felt like, I mean, that pioneer for the most part, ideally is meant to be a, a format that is primarily community ran in a lot of ways, which isn't to be in support of banning more cards. I think that leads to Watsy trying to, have as small of a ban list as possible with something like Pioneer, where before, say, January, Inverter wasn't a problem, right? There wasn't anything new other than, you know, I guess Thassa's Oracle is something that contributed to it coming rising to prominence, for sure. But I think there is some level of, instead of wiping things out of the format every time there's a best deck... Instead, it's more about trying to cultivate what you want the best decks to be. And if Inverter is something that feels like it provides the format with identity and something that's unique and so on, then it feels like this was more them trying to introduce a little bit more of the power that we saw in the pre-Inverter world 
back to the format to maybe balance it that way rather than trying to reduce the card pool, which is something that I think a lot of formats like modern have kind of started to fall victim to where people had these opal and faithless looting decks and so on that they just can't play with anymore. I think they're really trying to do everything they can to avoid that kind of situation in pioneer. Well, I think unfortunately as well, um, pioneer, we, we've said this a lot in that, you know, the F and M environment, just like most magic in general, but I think more so pioneer in its early stages of the format, you know, what your local community is doing is kind of the pioneer format. And when you're thrust into this online environment where it is easy to through price deck, deck price differences, rental services to go just play what is air quotes, the best deck, whether or not it actually is sort of pushes the format in a way to sort of heavily involve those decks more than just sort of what you would normally be playing. Yeah, things are going to get stale a lot faster when you only actually have one or two total events globally for a format, just largely mm -hmm. in part because you're going to have the everything get iterated on within the same group of people so quickly in the same leagues, the same people playing and doing well in these challenges and so on. You're just going to end up with an incredibly fleshed out metagame. And when it feels like you can't get away from that metagame in any capacity, and it's still kind of a newer format with its own section of the of the player base that's really supporting it, it it's easier to sort of feel suffocated whenever there's this particular archetype you don't like that also is the best deck. And also there's only one tournament you get to play, and it's, you know, 10% of the field or 20% of the field. So do you, do you think there should have been some sort of nod or concession to at least, um, you know, I mean, historic and arena formats get to use the suspended nature. Could they have added something like that to this paper format in that, you know, after paper can start again, we take it off a suspended type of list, you know, do you, or do you just ban? What do you, what do you, what, what do you think sort of action wise could have been taken as opposed to what did actually happen? So if anything, um, I think I would have been most interested in seeing Jace Wielder of Mysteries getting banned if they were going to ban a card. Okay. I'm, I'm in the camp of people who thinks the inverter deck creates a ton of an interesting and unique gameplay that only really exists in Pioneer, which I, I think that's the sweet spot of what you want a format's identity to look sure. like. So power level is a bit of a concern at this point, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is just kind of on the back of the fatal push dig through time thoughts use package being the best thing to do in the format. <laughs> right, we can yeah. talk more about that later, but I, yeah. I, I think that inverter just happens to be a deck that is good enough to morph into a control deck and hitting something like Jace wielder of mysteries hurts the Lotus breach deck in that Fay of wishes has to do something else to actually sure. slam the door shut. And it's a bit harder for inverter to actually adopt this sort of controlly role. And rather than, completely axing the deck you're exercising a bit more agency in sculpting what you want your format to look like what you want these top decks to be doing sure and i definitely agree i mean i think that you know when people think and look at the lotus breach and the inverter decks if i'm gonna keep one around i think i'm going to actually keep inverter around just because there is some nuance and interesting sort of play with that deck versus, in my opinion anyway, than Lotus Breach offers. 
Yeah, I feel like it's one of those decks that like you can reduce its power level while not completely getting rid of it, and that's not necessarily true of all decks, right? Like, I feel like it's one of those things where like when I was playing it, it was interesting to like have to manage my graveyard, and you could like tell that was kind of a difference. Is like over the event that I was playing the first time, like I practiced with it the first time I picked it up, I definitely was like um x and two before we left and like losses were earlier and then i was really getting the hang of the deck having practice with it getting experience at live that was a big part of it and so like i felt like um just like emma was saying the oppressive parts are like the thought seizes your dig through time so like again i feel like in, in my current opinion the power level is a little strong for for what i like i definitely want to see something taken away but i definitely in my current standing i think it's a deck that you could leave alone in a a less powerful version whether that's a taken away of a jace or we've talked about mostly Thassa's Oracle, just because that's kind of what everybody's talked about. Sure. And I so, love the deck, yeah. <clears throat> I think yeah, um, I think the Inverter needs to be sticking around. Like, I think banning the actual Inverter of Truth is the worst ban. I definitely think that... Uh, I didn't think about Jace with the Fae of Wishes thing. That is a better argument than I've had before. My main thing was Yeah, Thassa's I tell you what, Oracle. that's definitely better than what I've been thinking, for sure. Yeah, my main thing was Thassa's Oracle because it's easier to interact with Jace trying to win the game than Thassa's Oracle trying to win the game in Inverter. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ban Breach because I hate Breach, but that's that's a whole different story, <laughs> whole different. Nightmare. And then, boy, we <laughs> sure. And then we talked about Teferi, and boy, we found out how many people actually like Teferi. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, so we, we're talking obviously with you a lot about Inverter, not only just because it is sort of the the hot topic of Pioneer, but when when I really think about sort of as the deck was really up and coming after that Theros release. Uh, I feel like one of your, your article you wrote for SCG uh, in the real nascent days of that deck was one of the real first pieces I remember seeing written on the deck. You know, did you, what really stuck out to you as it's the potential for it to be, you know, as you said, the pioneer splinter twin, um, did you have really any design input on it or are you just sort of one of those people that just really noticed it early on and just kind of latched on and just wanted to see where it went? So, Around that era is one of the times in the last year or so that I was actually playing the most Magic. Um, Okay. There was the Players Tour event coming up in Phoenix that I was going to be going to at the time, and it had not been announced that I was in Rivals yet. So what that meant is I could not really get into any sort of uh, PT testing teams because I couldn't tell anybody I was qualified because uh, I, I did get one of those special invites and obviously I'm very grateful for that. But one of those drawbacks was just really struggling to find many people to test with outside of the, you know, three or four people that I told that uh, I had a special way that I was qualified and no, I could not talk about it with them. Mm-hmm. But even some of those people were folks who, you know, didn't play magic or weren't interested or that invested in Pioneer or mm-hmm. something like that. So I was probably playing, you know, 12, 14 hours of magic a day or something like that. And really just for a while, I think in January, I ended up streaming like not a ton, but it was some like 20 or 30 hours a week, even though I was only actually home three or four days a week. Mm-hmm. So I really would just play like four or five leagues a day and I ended up seeing the inverter deck in a deck dump and I thought, all right, well, you know, maybe there's something to this deck. And I played, I think like three games with the deck and just felt like the Thoughtseize Fatal Push Dig Through Time package was something that people had wanted to find a home for for a while. And it just did that wonderfully while also having Dig Through Time almost act as a combo piece with inverter while also digging you towards selection. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to 
try and sell anybody on <laughs> why the deck's good. The right? I've literally written here. the article. Yeah, you you get it. I've, I've written you know two articles, three something about the the deck at this point, but I, I just saw it all happen in two or three games and was just instantly sold. I went online yeah. um, the Friday before Canister started streaming it actually, and I ordered like two play sets off TCG player because I wanted to make sure some of them got there in time for the pro tour. And then canister streamed it and it broke, uh, almost overnight. And, yeah. uh, the, I guess the rest is history. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you spoke with that sort of three game and you were just sort of, you know, sold on it. I, I can definitely say that was definitely the case with Chris and I, uh, we had a pretty big IQ event almost sort of on the eve of things of the, the country just getting shut down. So we sort of, uh, riskily went to that just as a, you know, things hadn't really been as widespread as they were at this point. This is about like sure. a, three, four weeks out, right? And we, Chris was going to play Inverter, but we hadn't really had a chance to play the deck. So I was just like, it was like, I don't know, 11 o'clock one evening. I was like, all right, let's go rent it real fast. We'll play it, play some games. And us just in a delirious stupor, we're just making these plays that I was just, yeah, this deck is just insanely good. <laughs> Yeah, fair to say that those were not that was not the best that deck had ever been piloted, but just with our years of experience, we could we can pilot a Magic the Gathering deck to some extent, right? Like Especially uh, one that powerful. Especially one that powerful. And it was very quick to be like, oh, okay, we're gonna thought seize you multiple times between that thought eraser and then uh yeah, just manage graveyard, do our thing. So I read your article in between rounds of PDQ and uh bought inverters from the store that the PDQ was at. Uh picked up my set <laughs> just like uh, I was like, do you have, can I see the binder for uh, Oath of the Gatewatch? How much are Mythics? $2? Okay, I'll take a set. I will take all of them. <laughs> I will take all of them. <laughs> uh, so. So obviously, you know, oh, go ahead. Uh, that's it. That's I, your article. I loved your article, by the way. Great article. That's why I reached out to you sure. entirely. That, oh, then, of course, cool. we have we have your second article. Uh, your in, in, Demir Inverter is the best de- de- deck in Pioneer, obviously, uh, with the release of Ikoria, you know, you mentioned, I think, in a really good comparison to moving on to Splinter Twin. Now we're sort of in that KCI mindset of just, you know, in, in non-rotating performance, raw power is worth more than favorable heads-up matchup. You know, is is it just raw strength built into the nuance the deck offers that just keeps it in that top position, even with so many decks sort of being built, you know, to air quotes, I would say, just target the deck directly? Yeah, so... Uh, I, I would say one of the most uh, actionable things I can give to people who want to be successful in tournament magic is whenever you're trying to pick a deck for a format and you're not sure what the best deck going into an event is, is try to find the deck that feels like it is a bad deck from a more powerful format. So that's to say if you are playing a standard tournament and you find an archetype that feels like it's kind of a mediocre pioneer deck... That means it's probably very high power level in, on in standard terms. The same can be true for Pioneer to Modern, Modern to Legacy. You know, as card pools get deeper, decks get more refined, more powerful, and so on. And the this sort of fatal push, dig through time, Thoughtseize package that we've we've touched on a few times now, is just an example of something that really felt like to me, you know, at the time and of writing the Yorion Demir Inverter article, and even to this day. I really feel like that's a sort of package that you would come to expect from a modern deck or something to that effect. It feels almost like something in the vein of the blue, white or Jeskai control decks we saw in early modern that have kind of fallen out now because they are 
weaker modern decks, you know. Buzzwords and Dig Through Time is banned in modern, isn't it? <laughs> right, but I mean, you know, that that place could be occupied by right. uh, it was some other modern card now, Chase the Mind Sculptor oh, or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. But you still have those sort of efficient trade spells into mid to late game catch-up card that provides you with a good bit of selection. That's just kind of the core thing here that makes it feel like that modern deck. And so you have this deck that feels like it's on the power level of a format with a deeper card pool competing with decks that have a far more shallow card pool and might be at a naturally lower power level. Even if they might lose in the head-to-head, so to speak, I know we talk about terms and rock, paper, or matchups in terms of rock, paper, scissors sometimes. Sometimes your scissors are going to lose to rock, but if tournaments are about cutting paper, it doesn't matter if your rock beats up on the scissors, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure, definitely. That's a, that's like the best rock, paper, scissors metaphor I've ever heard, ever. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. No joke. Real talk. Would you That's believe I actually write and talk about magic for a living? Like, I, it's I like you—it's it. like you're a professional or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm—I want to go buy some more inverter cards right now. And then I'm gonna buy inverters quick, right hopefully. now. <laughs> well, you don't need to buy them. You, I have rookies. You should you acquire all of your cards at StarCityGames.com. <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless yeah. plug. Yeah. Ha- hashtag Emma's sponsor, not us. We don't get a cut from this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Go to all, right. all the and hashtag sponsor. <laughs> all right. So you know, obviously, we, something we that really happened. Of course, every time we record an episode, big news happens. Obviously, a, a week, a day even later. Um, Where are the Pioneer Mass. Where are the yeah, Pioneer Masters coming out uh, in Arena Q4 of this year. Something I will say that I predicted, because everyone else is like, oh, Pioneer's going to be at least, you know, late 2021 at earliest. But I called... I give late, him a boy I, I called Q4 yeah. early Q1 for Pioneer rollout. So, Ricky did a little bit too, because Ricky was talking about how you can just turn back on Amonkhet. Wasn't that you, Ricky? Yeah. Well, yeah, because like I played uh, Arena when you had Almond cards. Did, I was just yeah, like, yeah. Can you not just flip the switch and give them back? Yeah. So anyway, well, we are getting that. Obviously, next month, Almond Kett Remaster is released. And then we're getting air, something called Pioneer Masters to Arena Q4 of this year. Um, we did an episode previously a while back sort of about what, if you had like a 300-card set, uh, Pioneer Masters would be. And we can probably talk about that again here on another future episode. Um, but, you know, obviously... Clearly, they haven't given up on Pioneer as much as people want to sort of doomsay. Um, but in order, f- you know, there is fear, obviously, that Pioneer sort of has to has to make it there at this end of the year. You know, do you, do you think things need to happen in the format to ensure that there's even enough interest to keep Pioneer happening on Arena? Or is it just being on Arena by that nature going to just sort of make it happen in a sense to phrase this a little differently should you know we are currently crew three a pioneer podcast should we be called crew three an mtg history and karaoke podcast going forward <laughs> i mean i got the pokemon cards we can move to that instead there we go i'm just gonna ask your question with another question here sure. since, it's, since we're going to arena this is going to be rhetor- rhetorical and a little bit uh you know we'll just say snarky but uh do you think people you know, cared at all about best of one magic before arena? No, not at all. I think that speaks to the power of arena when it comes to rousing or just raising interest in a format. I, sure. I really just think that 
you know, we're going to see more iteration on the format than we ever have before. Arena is really just kind of taxed and pushed the limits of what you can do in Magic just because of how quickly decks get iterated upon and how quickly a format gets solved. You know, we see these early access streamer events where there are more games played of the format in that than, you know, the play design team or what have you likely had time to play throughout its time mm. and standard. There's just so many games getting played. Sure. And as that happens, it would not surprise me if we either reach that point very quickly where we see that inverter just is the best deck and something needs to get or something's got to give, or we find a way to actually beat up on it because uh, there's also the point where, arena has all of these wild incentives like the the mythic invitationals or mm. this this Zen, is it zendikar rising cha championship weekend oh challenge weekend? Yeah. i don't yeah. yeah i'm sorry i'm not it's a magic fest. With it. just yeah. don't call it a pro tour it's not a pro well, tour they, it's not a grand they, prix they anymore. also change it every three months so right. i don't know <laughs> by the time i understand it it changes I'm it's gonna be a gonna... ghost tournament a mythic rare ghost tournament Words are really hard. They just like kind of are incredibly nebulous right now, but y'all know what I'm talking about. That is where yeah. a lot of those events end up taking place. So I think, I think pioneer being on arena at all would do a lot to legitimize the format for people who might feel it's a bit shakier because before you had all these people who were so excited to have a place to use all of their leftover cards that rotated. It was, yeah, exactly. Your siege rhinos. Yeah. Those kinds of cards that people wanted a chance to play with, but weren't didn't really fit modern anymore because those, modern those is poor just... people that think Siege Round is fun to play with. Look, no one's perfect. It's fine. <laughs> My big draw but... pioneer was fetchless because, mm -hmm. like, like it changes the entire game. Not having right. fetches, and I used to joke all the time about like, can you imagine modern no fetches? Like, and that's what like really drew me to pioneer. That, that was My a big talk. Question and about... I feel like that's what some of the hype for it was. My real question about arena and pioneer is like can we differentiate enough from historic um and i think they can after jumpstart after jumpstart historic went nuts and i think that like i can see historic and pioneer existing at the same time but but right now i'm not sure entirely i think i think historic is gonna try and maintain this place that historic is gonna be that like legacy vintage equivalent right because i don't think we're ever I don't want to say we're ever going to get it, but I think it's going to be a long time before we see really um, a legacy or vintage equivalent really hit arena. And I, so I think that's sort of what historic is going to fill the shoes of. And I'm, I'm seeing, you know, pioneers probably going to fill those modern shoes because again, you know, who knows how long until we have enough master sets to get enough of modern onto arena. Yeah. Right. If it's even in the pipeline. I think that's a really good read. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but thinking of, yeah, I mean, especially if you just look at the titles, just thinking of historic as, you know, the old fogey format where you get to go mm -hmm. play with all of this old stuff that's really sweet and it's kind of like the the stuff that that format is made up of is what allows the arena cube to exist and play all these classic cards. Yeah. And then having Pioneer be the modern, which that is about the age or roughly that we would see that be when modern first came around. Modern mm -hmm. only went back, you know, eight years nine years yeah, or something like pioneers, that inception? i think pioneers like one or two years less but yeah it's, it's definitely about that same time yeah yeah exactly it's like uh, uh, the same magnitude i guess is the best way to put it so mm -hmm. it feels like that's just a way that they're trying to really legitimize having playing your way from you know the comfort of your own home on your phone now that they've 
confirmed that mobile is supposedly coming at the end of this year and so and i'm sure you're very happy about tournament mode hopefully becoming a an almost permanent mainstay or at least viewer mode or whatever they're calling it right oh that would be incredible oh man not not to uh first of all i'm gonna go ahead and cancel my karaoke subscription real quick now that it looks like we are gonna stay a pioneer podcast let me do that uh okay that's canceled um also, though, uh, man, I was playing some hardcore Hearthstone. I don't even know how many years ago. I'm, I'm so old at this point that I don't even remember when it was. But, like, I was playing in the um, the Dream Hacks that were coming to Austin and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was hitting Legend very consistently. Um, anytime I try to hit Legend, which is not the most impressive thing, but, you know, we were starting to climb up there. And I remember thinking, wow, like, in Magic cards, you don't have to be, like, a top pro to, like, enjoy your time. Like, you can get a competitive fill, I feel like from, you know, your Grand Prix, right? Like there are a bunch of people in my local game store when I was playing in Dallas who had GP top eights, you know, several people, whether they were limited or wherever else. And so like, they kind of got that bragging right of like, hey, look, I have done this cool thing. And that was kind of harder to do in Hearthstone because like, unless you wanted to play in one of the like difficultly organized side events, there was no tournament mode. And they confirmed they had one in place, but replaced it with like Brawl or whatever this thing was. Um, when that came out, uh... yeah. So like, I feel like, like not having like a good tournament scene. Like, remember me and my buddy like switched over to playing a lot of Hearthstone because it was easier to play, right? We could play on our phones, and Arena was no nowhere even a thought yet. So like, I'm so excited that Arena, at least for all of its faults, is coming out with the tournament mode because I really feel like competitive Hearthstone fell by the wayside for the masses um, because they didn't come out with like a tournament mode, a, a way to organize tournaments effectively, really. By the time yeah. I tried, it was too late, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it, just having something better than whatever the equivalent to fireside gatherings or whatever yes. that you can actually yes. do at home would be incredible. Yeah. I'm just yeah. so glad I'm not in school anymore because I spent a little time in Hearthstone. Just, you know, I got I got some some C's and B's in college classes from playing Hearthstone during sure. boring classes, but like those grades would be a lot worse if I had magic to play on my phone instead. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So All I, right, well, Oh, go ahead, Ricky. I just want to throw this out there because I've been just struggling all week. I Mythic stresses me more than any top eight of anything I've ever played in Magic. <laughs> it's it is because you made the mistake it, of playing more. This is the you went back to the old ELO system where it's like if you were going to play, you know what I'm saying? You better be oh man, better be I, ready. I made Mythic the first time ever, uh, and uh, God. In a, in a GP or in an SCG, you like top eight, you lose, you're done, and you can move on with your life. But you lose in Mythic, and it's there for two more weeks. You can keep looking at your loss and digging your hole deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> yeah, just watching your own failures, though. Just, <laughs> just like, just like, oh man, I was number 30 and limited this month as I sit at 1,100, hoping I can make the 1,200. Yeah, right. sitting in a, sitting in our friend's server, play watching Ricky's stream, and it's just like, Ricky, aren't you done? No, we're gonna keep going. Three <laughs> losses. Are you done? No, we're gonna keep going. We can pull out of it. <laughs> That's like one of the worst parts about comparing it to something like a top eight. You know, you mentioned you know you lose in top eight or whatever, and you're done. You lose in this proverbial top eight, and you're like, okay, well, two wins, and I can still make the semis, and then <laughs> it's an hour later, and you go, okay, well you know, six wins in a row and I can get back to top eight. So <laughs> yeah, maybe exactly. we like, I can't stop now. Cause then I'm just right. worse than I started. And, yeah. and then he's, you know, mythic 900 gets paired against someone in like diamond four. And then you it know. just feels even worse. Just feel constantly pot committed. You're just like, no, I got to keep playing, man. 85% here we come. That's right. I can quit anytime I want. Scratch his neck. 
All uh, right. Fear is not a factor, right. Joe Rogan. All right, Evan. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming and answering our questions here. And if you shed a light, and obviously, you know, it's great having an outside person come in and lend their their thoughts and everything. Uh, but of course, we're, we're sort of at our end point uh, segment here where we sort of go to our community and see what they, they bring us. We ask the question, does it slap? So, Chris, you want to summon us? That no, you just song? summoned it. That was perfect. I have nothing better oh. than what you just did. All right, fine. All right, so uh, we have a user-submitted deck from our Discord user boss, and they sent to us Abzan Control. Let me caveat this. This deck list was submitted before the Oath of Nissan ban because I think that's going to be a pretty quick include of the deck. So because we, we, so we, we go into a little bit of a cr- critique. You know, we, we make some minor changes to the deck, and then we, we give it a rating here. Uh, for those that it's always a ludicrous format. rating. Have you heard Does It Slap it ever before, Emma? No. Okay, you. I think you'll you'll catch the, the, the rating system is all arbitrary. Everything's made up. The points don't matter. Uh, so our deck here, we got three Shivil Bane of Monsters, two Scavenging Ooze, three Selfless Spirit, three Kunaros Hound of Athreos, two Shalai Voice of Plenty, one Archangel Avicen, two Liliana the Last Hope, two Gideon Ally of Zendikar, three Frasca Golgari Queen, one Liliana Dreadhorde General, one Sword Grim Nemesis, one Ugin the Spirit Dragon, three Fatal Push, two Thought Seize, two Abrupt Decay, two Assassin's Trophy, three Oath of Kaya. And then a bunch of land, a big whole mix of lands here. Um, so we're sort of this mid-range creature deck with a lot of Planeswalker heavy, uh, sort of filling that sort of Abzan control shells, what they're calling it here. Uh, who's who's got any sort of real thoughts and you know where are we start and where are we where are we making improvements here? Who's got some thoughts here? First off, entirely uh, bad thoughts, but Cheville is my boy. Ten out of ten, Cheville. 10 out of 10, Cheville. Okay. 10 out of 10, Cheville. Love Cheville. Now let's look at okay. this deck. <laughs> okay. We're keeping it. Was so that an invitation are, to start off? There are like three things that stick out to me about this deck where it feels like it's kind of being pulled in like three different directions. Uh, mm-hmm. So first of all, seeing Cheville and Selfless Spirit side by side in a deck is a little odd to me. Uh, I feel like Cheville, you really need to commit to having a good bit of removal if you want to play that card because ultimately no one's tripping over themselves and muddying their mana to play a two mana one three death touch mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's just something that isn't even a sideboard card so if you're playing this card you're kind of planning yourself and saying this is going to be a core feature of my deck so seeing less than four fatal push for example is something that is a little bit it kind of ra- makes me raise my eyebrow and the other mm-hmm. direction is selfless spirit in a deck that has 14 total creatures is something where I understand that this is a card that's nice with the card Shalai because it gives you a ton of protection. But outside of that, it kind of feels like it's a little bit fragile compared to some of your other creatures and is more meant to... Like, this is a deck, your your control decks in general, you want to get by on how strong your average card is mm-hmm. and how they're good at operating in a vacuum and are always going to make these efficient trades. And I don't think Selfless Spirit necessarily uh, fits that bill. It's very rarely making efficient trades since you have to invest two mana up front and it's an effect that is something that your opponent has to consent to, right? You're never flashing in the Selfless Spirit. They have to choose to give you that bit of value with it. So I, mm-hmm. I don't love it in this deck. Uh, and finally, I wish there were more black sources for Thoughtseize, and I wish there were more Thoughtseizes. You can also sure. cut Thoughtseize and just lean into answering permanents once they've already entered the battlefield. And mm-hmm. I think that's a valid way of approaching things. 
but I, it looks like there are only 10 untapped sources of black mana on turn one, and anything less than 12 or 13, I don't think you can reliably cast that more than, like, 60%. So, you're looking at 70% of the time if you have, like, those 13 black sources, and even that feels a little bit low, so when we're seeing 10 here, I think that's a bit rough when the rest of your your cards all cost so much mana that you really want to be committing all of your land usage to your big, powerful haymakers in the late stages of the game. Sure. I mean, obviously, like I said, this wasn't, and this, is, this isn't going to help out with casting the Thoughtseize and stuff like that, but is Oath of Nyssa a very good pickup for this deck, even? I think so. Obviously, mm-hmm. it'll probably smooth things over a good bit. I also would really want to put more lands in this. This is a deck that has Ugin Spirit Dragon and 24 mm-hmm. total mana sources, which is pretty low. Uh, on, I, on- I on free color, do we want like a goose or like a caryatid or something? I mean, I don't hate Sylvan Caryatid. I, I feel like the the creature package in this is really kind of at odds with the Planeswalker side of it, where both of them are fine, but doing both of them at the same time is a mm-hmm. real, you know, ice cream on my steak situation. Because I, I really like a lot of the cards that this person has here, and they have a ton of powerful stuff going on. I, I think they would do really well to kind of pick a side and maybe look at building two different decks where mm-hmm. they might have sort of a, a creature slanted version that's trying to be more aggressive and this Ugin, Soren, Grim Nemesis, Dreadhorde, Liliana, Dreadhorde general deck that is going to go over the top of just about everything. Sure. Yeah, I, I've, a lot of the decks we get, I feel like more so fall on the line of sort of helping try to point out the the avenues the deck could go and really just yeah, start to help, help the listeners focus in on their deck list. Choice. Which I think is, I think uh, you made some really good points there. Then and I, I honestly think these like bottom three planeswalkers that are one ofs, I, I think we could cut them in either a favor of either focusing on the Chevelle if that was the main idea. Part of these we typically will like go back or sometimes we ask just to get an idea of like you know what what was the point like what was the card you wanted us to make work because a lot of times we can make it work one way or another but we just need to know what the focus is. So again, one of the I think the things here is there are so many cards that could be the focus just because planeswalkers are cool, Chevilla is cool. It's like, what did you want us to keep? In my case, it would be Kunros, right? You're not touching yeah, I was, my Kunros. I was going to say, what are you going to mention Kunros? You're not touching here. my Kunros. It's it's the card that I love. I ain't getting rid of it. No way, no how. So that would be my thing. So, you know, I, I think you could probably get rid of those couple, couple planeswalkers. I, just because I'm the monster that I am, want to shove in in favor of like a favorable and actual Cheville would be like the walking Ballesta Heliod combo. Just because, like, I feel like the investment you have to put into play that's very, very low. And to some extent, Walking Ballista interacts with your Chevelle as, like, maybe being able to pick off something with the bounty counters. An extra removal, an extra backup combo. So if you're looking for something to, like, hey, replace either these top-end Planeswalkers, if that's what you're looking to get rid of, or um, the Selfless Spirit, because we've kind of pointed out already that that, that may not be the direction the deck wants to go. So that could be something quickest, to pick up. Hmm? The, the quickest fix here, in my opinion... Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Is we if we cut Liliana, Soren, and Ugin, right? Uh, we could put in Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy to fill right. out our removal suite, right? And we just sub Selfless Spirit for the the Mythic from Eldritch Moon, the green black guy that gets he, he gets plus two plus two if you have to Oh, Grim Flare, Grim Flare. Okay, yeah. And like now this deck looks real hot and focused, right? Yeah, I actually, I kind of like that angle. I, I really want to find uh, Oath of, like, room for the full four Oath of Nyssa if we're on Grimflare, because that's sure. a great way to fuel a pretty free uh, card type that yeah. kind of plays like another one, right? We, no one thinks of that card as an enchantment. It feels more like a sorcery. Right. But Grimflare but it is, is but very it is positive that it's it. an enchantment. Yeah. 
Delirium yeah, if, wasn't smoking. If, if we're if we're cutting mm-hmm. creatures, I'm not just like how I'm like not super sold on Stealth of Spirit. I don't know if I'm super sold on Shalai here. Um, I see it has it ha- like it definitely has uses, but I don't know if I'm super sold on it in this type of list. Maybe maybe at least not main board. Yeah, I think it depends on how many planeswalkers you want to keep, right? Like I'm a big fan of Shalai just because I play with it in the um, that combo, the yeah. whatever it was uh, that Here's we're playing in modern. Devoted that? Yeah, devoted the devoted druid combo. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I, I do I do like that card, but again, it depends on how many planeswalkers we're going to cut, right? Because like I said, I do like upping the spell count because if Shaville was the main point, you definitely could probably make you know a Abzan planeswalker strategy. Okay, I, I totally forgot. Shalai. I totally forgot Shalai gives your planeswalkers hexproof, so I'm a little more on board with it now. Yeah. But I, th- I think, like I said, I think as long as we've got a direction in, in you know, mm-hmm. hey, what are we going to do there? I think that's what, you know, what you want to hang that choice on, right? Like, do you want to shalai because we're going to up some planeswalkers? If we're going to cut down to like five or six planeswalkers, I'm with you. I, I feel like you could play with things like, I don't know that it's good in this deck, but tra- Tyler's Tracker is a card that whenever I see green, I go, can I put this in the deck? You know? Oh, yeah. Especially with four Fabled Passage, right? Or three Fabled Passage. Mm-hmm. I already mm-hmm. want this deck to have 25, 26 lands. If you get the full four Oath of Nissan, maybe that's when you can play 24. But as it stands, you know, 24 is putting you at like 68 or 69% to hit your first four land drops. So you, if you're looking at really wanting to double spell after that, then you really want to make sure you have a smooth way to actually make sure you're hitting that fifth, that sixth land drop. And I think that having those in the deck is just really one of the most important things when it comes to upgrading this and catching it up with the most recent banned and restricted announcement. Mm-hmm. If we're going to focus on Cheville, should this... Uh, I'm going to try and say this because I get made up every time. Kalidus, should it be in the main deck? I know we're trying um, to make room for cards. I mean, so maybe that's not possible, but... I think I like that card over Shalai. I mean, there's certainly a point where, you know, y'all mentioned like in Kuneros and my, my knee jerk is just go, I don't know. I think it's kind of cute, but it is. No, you should definitely, you should most likely cut that card. I just love Kuneros. Hold on. Hold on. It's (laughs) actually quite nice whenever it's very good against mono black. It turns off demonic embrace as well, which is their new little toy. It's good against Jace Friend's Prodigy. It's good against Underworld Breach. I actually think that card has a ton of applications in this format. I, I actually don't hate main decking that card, which is what I thought the first thing I was going to recommend would be. So I, I don't know. I, I this think might I've been be the sold happiest on it just I've throughout been. this podcast. This might be the happiest I've been. It's in also all of our legendary now, so now, now, Chris, do you want to ask her opinions on Wishclaw Talisman? Uh, I do. I don't think we have time, but, uh, <laughs> but you know... I, I, I'll just weigh in real quick. Say I cracked Mythic with it the week after Eldrin came out, so I'm a big believer in Wishclaw Talisman. No, Hope Emma, you've ruined us. You've, wow. Yeah, you've actually ruined oh us. Oh my wow. god, do you know how much Get fuel you just gave this man? for ten episodes of me lording this <laughs> over my two oh co-hosts my here. God. Oh my this gosh. Was... I'm going to take those sound bites, <laughs> and they're going to be my ringtone for at least the next six months. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. I'm glad I could leave a lasting impression. That's right. Baby Shark is going away, and in comes the ringtone. Okay. Talisman. Yes. All right. So, who are we? Are we ready for slap ratings here? All right. We'll do slap ratings. All right. All right, Ricky. What's your slap rating? I'm going to give this a perfect Cheville out of nine. A perfect Cheville out of nine. Okay, Chris. Love it. I'm going to give this a. Six out of the eight total Kunros and Wishclaw Talisman minutes should be playing. Okay, uh, I'm going to give this a 
with some focusing, I'm going to give this a Liliana negative four uh, loyalty ability to her six starting loyalty power. So we're going to go with the four out of six. There we go. Uh, there Emma, we go. what is what is your slap rating here? Uh, all right. So add a, add a set of Oath of Nissa's, and I'm going to give this a cool five fingers across the face slap rating. There we go. There we go. Ooh, that's on, that's so good. All right. That's how we end it. That was smooth. Uh, all right, Emma. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We had some real, we had a couple housekeeping things to do with us that we don't, you know, you don't necessarily have to uh, to really get involved in. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, Just, I was happy to be on. This is a lot of fun. Y'all, y'all, uh, y'all run a tight ship. Y'all keep stuff going you. and the conversation's good. That's all you can really ask for. Thank you. We appreciate that. High praise. Any socials that uh, you should plug yeah. or we should plug? Or? Plug stuff. Yeah, what do you want plug us to stuff. plug for you? Oh, sure. Uh, all right. Well, you can find me across the internet uh, under the username EM underscore T-E-E-G-E-E. That's M-T-G. You know, it's a, it's a whole thing. You can also find me it. over on Star City Games. You can find my fingerprints on Toyman Community College's work. And uh, I think that's all I've really got to plug. I also have a Facebook page, but if you just search my name, you'll find it. All right, Emma. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and you know, hopefully, if hopefully if you had fun here, maybe we can get you on to come on uh, at a later time. We definitely enjoyed having you here. We, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this uh, you as well. So, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. See you all, all next right. time. Yeah, Thanks so much definitely. For Bye. All right, so let's uh, let's do some housekeeping here, guys, real quick. Yeah, um, housekeeping. How many boxes of World of Spark do you owe me? None. Why would I have to owe you War of the Spark boxes? I don't know. I just always want to keep that on the housekeeping docket. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm pretty sure I've wagered four on yeah, Rockman's behalf. Yeah. You've, so. you've wagered four on my own behalf. Let's yeah, be yeah. clear on that. Yeah. All right. So real quick, obviously, you know, we posted a big thing about sort of at least our community and to sort of just to get a lot of conversation flowing. I feel like there was some misinterpreting and I could have been a little more clear on the uh, the right the written work that I did, uh, sort of calling for hey if people aren't happy with the current state of Pioneer you know pro- I, I could have been more specific and like you know there's a project modern that's definitely a really cool thing going on so I sort of put out the idea of hey let's let's get some, our own hands on this a bit and really you know let's have our let's sort of you know I based a little bit on a survey we had some discussion we enacted sort of our own ideas on just some bands or see what what happens really in the format um and we really found out how many people you know really like uh like teferi time raveler right right um you know most of the feedback you know there was some really you know good or bad feedback that's a thing um unfortunately some of it was a little less than cordial we're not going to really pick on that so we appreciate the people weighing in obviously if this is a thing that's going to really sort of take off we try to really make it an act as a thing going forward um you know it's probably going to be a week or so at least before things start rolling out involving that of course our next webcam event is going to have those uh sort of suspensions bans on our little thing mm-hmm. uh sort of our house rules here not that they really came up beforehand uh but again you know if, if this alternative pioneer Project Pioneer, whatever you want to call it, is something people are really interested in. Please reach out and let us know. We're going to try and sort of have it as its own side thing, obviously, uh, because, again, I don't think there was a misunderstanding that we aren't trying to fully stage a coup and take over the forum, but really give people an opportunity to try out things and sort of, you know, right now, nothing really, there's not a whole lot of official running. So, you know, if you guys are having some issues uh, and don't like sort of where, you know, how, you know, uh, 
you figure it out sort of. I, I don't really. I lost where I was going to point. Yeah, this, I was. Gonna, but, I was trying to figure out where you were going. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just sort of got in my own head here because the cat's going crazy next to me. I understand. Uh, but really, you know, obviously, we're just sort of trying to offer an alternative here. The people that aren't happy. Um, you know, and when we when we announced this and sort of put out the idea of an alternative pioneer, we got a lot of people, a lot of feedback saying like, you know, my friends are really on the fence about joining into pioneer, but I showed them this and they were really excited. Um, so clearly, you know, at least for the time being, when everything's just online, it is a lot of, you know, I don't think inverter and those breaches are as insurmountable, but obviously it's really hard to get people to want to spend their time when everything's sort of so cramped and locked down in these matchups that there's not really fun right mm -hmm. uh so if there is some interest like we think there is in having this sort of alternate space of pioneer with a little more community influence and control in a ban list uh please let us know we'd be happy to really get the ball rolling and really we just wanted to put the idea out there instead of just you know yelling for changes to happen sort of yelling at the brick wall that is really receptive of the yelling because honestly there's also you know a lot of the time, I feel like at this point, you know, the yelling isn't working. So we decided to sort of have this idea and put out an idea to really offer an alternative as opposed to just yelling for something to change. Yeah, um, I think I think the only thing that we, we needed to be more clear was just like, we are going to try and run a series of events that involve this change. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, that's also fine, right? Like it was more just a, we're going to run an experiment and we're going to try like, hey, are the things that people are crying for, does it make a better format if we ban this number of cards? Again, not taking out Inverter entirely, but if we take out Thassa's Oracle, right? And maybe now we're learning, hey, there may be a better ban target to, to hit to leave it somewhat intact, but take the power down a level a little bit so people don't feel bad when they're taking their brews into a tournament knowing they still might kind of have a chance, you know? Um, so just putting that out there as far as that's concerned. That being said, I'm coming for all of you in the <laughs> tournament uh, i'm gonna be winning i'm gonna be winning i've got a lot of brews if the cards make it in time uh i should have ordered from starcitygames.com clearly <laughs> hashtag not sponsored uh but they would have gotten in time if i had done that uh but i've been i've been brewing i like the i like the changes that we're going to enforce uh of course we're not official or anything this is just for us this is for fun just to see how the format is like in in this weird world where we vote on bands um, that being said, right. I love Teferi Time Reveler on my side of the board. Uh, yeah, it's it's no fun when it's on your opponent's side, though. Right. No, it's not very good on my opponent's side of the board. Uh, then I hate it and I want it banned. That's right. So, that's right. I, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have been so surprised by just how vehemently defensive the people who like Teferi Time Reveler was, but I was a little taken aback by how vehemently defensive Teferi Time Reveler people were. Yeah. Like, have you ever yeah, been like? They were. Have you ever been like? Oh man, I really hope my opponent doesn't have anything to do about my six mana do nothing creature. And then you're like, right. oh, it doesn't matter. I've got to fairy. Huh. Anyways, to be fair though, in the world where my uh, siege rhinos are good, right? To fairy not as threatening because if they bounce it, I just get to play it again. Exactly, and it's really play good. It again. So yeah, and, so, I mean, and, and once we get to that point anyway. where we've been enough stuff for my siege rhinos are good. Since this is sort of our own thing, and we will try and be as upfront as possible with our decisions, you know. We sort of threw Teferi on there just to mess around with. If we think it needs to come off, it can come off. I mean, yeah. the this being a sort of community-run affair, we're going to be as like upfront and um, forward at, with decisions being made, but we are, we're allowed to be a little more fluid with it, right? 
Yeah, somebody made a good point, which is that essentially, and I'm just going to call myself out that I hate Teferi Time Reveler so much. And again, I think for good reasons, I could go on. I, I don't want to make this run long because I think we're going to have a post um, episode discussion a little bit. Um, but basically, you know, I think I have very good reasons for why the card is just not not good design as far as I'm concerned um, and the concerns I have about it. But the counter argument is, hey, it doesn't just have the numbers there. And that's a totally valid argument. It is more valid probably than the argument I was making. But given that we're the ones who have the voice, people probably voted because of what, uh, you know, not just me, but several of us, but mostly me were saying about the card and, and why they don't like it. Um, so, you know, if that had an adverse effect on it, we should go take a look. And if it's not going to be that big of a problem, hey, we'll take it off. But but my real thing with it was mm-hmm. I was trying to be aware of if we did something about Inverter, if we did something about Lotus Breach, right, would it what happened? Do, does it just sort of look like standard Fires of Vengeance? Does it sort of look like just standard Bant Reclamation decks? And that was my real worry. So that's – we really preemptively did it right. And, yeah. you know, if things start rolling out, maybe we take it off and see – uh, maybe we jump the gun on that one a little bit, but at least for this, our first community thing, we're probably we're probably no Teferi. But if things start rolling out and becoming more widespread, maybe we look at bringing it off for at least the the, right. the beginning. You know, if we get, so a, anyway, if we get a bigger thing, uh, right. that's enough for our ramblings about that. Um, you know, obviously, thanks again to Emma for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Uh, it's a lot of fun this episode, um, and thank you, of course, for listening. We'll talk to y'all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.